Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Ideas Sin. I am Denise, and today I am excited to introduce to you Crimson Minx. So, Crimson, how are you doing today? <laughs> I am doing wonderful. I'm so honored that you would want to have me on your podcast, and I'm really looking forward to chatting. Oh, of course. No, I was really excited. You were one of like the first people that popped into my head for, for doing this podcast, actually. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. And so for for listeners and maybe viewers, if you're watching the video, I know Crimson from a dance studio called Minx and Muse, and she is the owner of the studio, which is really exciting. And so Crimson, do you want to describe what your studio is about and what kind of like vibe you have? Absolutely. So we are a fiercely feminine playhouse where we help people awaken their innate magic through esoterotic dance and witchcraft. So we are all about the dark feminine. We are all about embracing the taboo. We are about authenticity and sovereignty. And we use dance and movement and magic in order and witchcraft to tap into these energies. Mm, yep. And I love it. I mean, I go to the studio and I have been embracing all these different aspects. And I, again, I love that you started something that is embracing the taboo that people are afraid to dive into, or they're very quick to just close those things and ideas off. Um, I mean, for esoeroticism, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe like you made that term yourself, right? That wasn't copied from anywhere else. Right. It's trademarked now <laughs> by moi. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, esoeroticism, it's quite simply a way to access sexual energy outside of intercourse. And so, broken down a little further, it's um, esoteric intentions, so very internal and mystical, uh, mixed with eroticism, so sexuality and sensuality. And essentially, we like to differentiate sexuality in how we practice it, practice it in esoeroticism from sexuality in intercourse or with, you know, partnered or unpartnered sex, because we still see sexuality as something that can be accessed and harnessed independently and use it as a way to show up more powerful, uh, I like to say, as the ultimate creatrix of our life, because our sexuality is our creativity. It's our life force. It's our vitality. It's our magnetism. It's our ability to manifest. So being able to access this energy outside of intercourse independently, sovereignly, um, is a really powerful practice to get into that can completely spill over from our classes into how one shows up more empowered and um, in control of, of their life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's been really cool to go into the studio and to see the different types of individuals that go in because they, it seems like everybody's going in for a different reason, whether to dive more into that empowerment aspect or to learn more about the dancing or movement or just try something completely out of their element. Uh, but when you initially started the studio, what kind of folks did you bring in? Was it the same kind of folks that we have now or was it like a different genre of people? 
It has taken a while to get to the coven of witches that we have now, as I like to say. And it was really difficult. So we opened in October 2017, which even though it was only six and a half years ago, from everyone knows that it's been like a lifetime ago. <laughs> it was pre-pandemic. Yeah. It was different times. And it's crazy to see how differently people respond to talking about witchcraft and magic specifically now as they did then. And also we've really had to a lot of people were attracted to us because we do for pole dance. And pole dance is such an established um practice. And so many people have preconceived notions or already established practices within it. So trying to get people in to understand that we're trying to exist without outside of that established system with completely different intention with with the poll. So we've we have a lot of people come and say, oh, this is not what I thought it was. I thought I was going to be doing poll fitness and leave. And we've had a lot of people who at first, oh, my gosh, I used to get calls all the time. Are you good witches? Are you <laughs> do you work with Satan? Yeah. Um, is this, uh, spiritually unsafe or we get a lot of people, I'm trying to learn this thing to turn on my partner or partners. And when they realize we're not about any kind of performative or partner thing, people want to come in with their partner, their partners come in and watch. I'm like, Oh my gosh, we need to (laughs) get more clear on our messaging here and really what we're doing. It's such a, it's so outside of that, you know? And people will come for one class and be like, oh, this is not like they know right away that, oh, this isn't I thought this was going to I'm not ready for this more internal type of work. I was just looking to learn something cute to 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 send my partner to do for my partner or looking for something because I was trying to get fit and buff and all of that. And we're not any of that. So they, they recognize pretty quickly. Yeah, that that is a great point, because a lot of it is about internal work or anybody who's in the spiritual realm. Like you dive into the shadow work, you dive into, as you know, like your monthly themes of, okay, let's target this. This is what we want to focus on to try to heal or try to embrace and try to empower. Um, But a question I had was the individuals that came in with their partners or they were trying to do it for their partners, did they already have this kind of like esoteric or eclectic uh, vibe to them already? Or were they just coming in as complete novices to this world? And they're like, well, let's just try something different. Well, I would say the people who came in more for the partnered stuff never really stuck around. They probably found us on Google and they thought, oh my gosh, they have sexy pictures. Like there's just like a sexual essence to what we do. And they probably didn't dive deeper and they didn't really stick around. Um, I don't think that people who stick with us come with that intention. Usually the people that stick with us are people who come to us one by themselves for themselves. Um, We usually don't get friends. Like if you need to come with a group of friends, you're probably not ready to have that like independent sense of self that's required to do this depth of work. Um, And usually it's people who come by themselves. A lot of times they get out, they just got out of breakup or a divorce or they've, you know, their kids have left the home or older, and they're trying to reclaim this sense of individuality and sense of self. And they're trying to connect with their sensual feminine essence. And there is obviously we have a lot of 
witchiness entwined with what we do. So we tend to have people who are more open-minded thinkers in that regard as well, open to the idea of, of the dark feminine and of witchcraft. And like you said, the shadow, the shadow is the dark feminine. It's the hidden sense of self. It's those un unclaimed desires. And so we're really lucky that most of the people who do show up, especially now, we've kind of established a reputation enough and they know what they're signing up for. And I do think that before there was this perception of they were going to come and it was just going to be these people, these, they were just going to be a bunch of conventionally looking, sexually conventional as media has sold to us type people who are all just like confident and orgies <laughs> and like, you know, and like yeah. all this stuff. And it's like, we have literally the most kind, curious, diverse, interesting, and I hate to say normal because they're not normal, but very, um, d very everyday type of people who just have this shared interest, which is awesome. So all different body types, all different ages, um, all different backgrounds, which to me, we have a shared common interest versus a shared common appearance or, you know, external projection. Yeah, no, that's really cool. And, I, and I've seen that with you know, throughout the different classes that I've taken, it's just really cool to connect with them. And they're like, I'm in business or I'm in finance, or I work as a nurse somewhere, or I work in, uh, I think there was like some that work in like tech or startups or somebody's like, you know, just executives in different businesses or entrepreneurs. It's literally from all sorts of backgrounds, which is amazing. Yeah. And so, and you didn't have a traditional background in this either, right? No, no, not at all. Mm -hmm. And I think, um, and I think what happens is a lot of people who have these, you know, they're massage therapists, they're professionals, they're project managers, right? Like they're entrepreneurs, uh, they're bartenders, they're, you know, coming from a service industry all over. The commonality is that we all looking for a deeper sense of self for, for deeper meaning. And that's how I came across this. So no, I have no, I was not born and raised a witch. I do not have any kind of dance background. I was never a sex worker of any type. Um, none of those things. And so I came into finding this depth of self around 2000, 12 or 13, mm. um, when I kind of simultaneously was going through a breakup and looking for a deeper sense of self. Um, and that's when I really found like my core witchy and magical practices. That's how I found the support for that. But then I also discovered pole dance and sensual dance and floor work and striptease and all that around the same time. So they've always been very symbiotic to me, always feeding each other, always going hand in hand. And so I was in my young 30s when I came across all of this. And I think that is having creating through that lens, I think is also really helpful that I don't 
hold expectations for people coming in of having any kind of foundational experience. Like we completely are open to people who are just awakening to this side of themselves, which I think sometimes if you do have a lifelong practice with something, you can't conceive of that or you forget what it's like. You know, I've only been doing this for, you know, 11 years now. So. And so once you started stepping into this, uh, what kind of stigmas or what kind of like ostracizations, I'm stumbling over the word, (laughs) did you end up encountering um, once you really started to embrace this? Because again, it is for many people, very taboo. And some people, again, like you noted, oh, witchcraft, it's associated to the devil and darkness. And it's like, no, that actually isn't correct. Like there's a lot (laughs) more to it. You know, there's a lot more to this. But I mean, what kind of issues did you have to face once you started to fully embrace this as your path? I mean, the reality is, is to some people, it's frivolous or silly. Um, especially being in business doing this, I think a lot of people think, oh, that's so cute. You have a studio where you just dance all day <laughs> and you can do fun spells. And isn't that so like, it's almost like, oh, that's such like a cute frivolous thing. It's not a serious thing, mm-hmm. which that's, I think that's what irritates me the most. Um, because I think we do really big work here you know, and quite transformational experiences. So when people relegate it to something that is not of of serious in nature, that, that kind of gets my goat. Um, Mm -hmm. I know that it's, it's crazy, Denise, but I know that a lot of people judge about the sensuality and sexuality or the tabooness of like, being a witch. And I feel so far removed from caring that I kind of forget, like, I know, and also this is the world I exist in. So then when I go into the main world and I'm like, Oh wait, you, that's weird to you. (laughs) And it's funny. I was home for Thanksgiving and my aunt and uncle were like, oh, you know, I only see them every couple of years. And they're like, do you still have the yoga studio? And I'm like, oh, I guess my family tells people that I have a yoga studio. <laughs> I'm like, yep, I still have the yoga studio. I also, I guess it, it's worth mentioning, I don't feel the need to explain myself to everyone. Mm-hmm. There are some people that if they just know, I'll just say, I mean, the yoga studio, whatever, I guess I've, I, barely ever do yoga but sure and uh I'm no trained sometimes just say oh we're just like I just have a dance studio Mm -hmm. or you know what are you I'm a small business owner uh you know I focused in you know connecting with the feminine I really feel the need to explain myself to communities or people who wouldn't get it Mm -hmm. and if people project that you know, what we're doing is sinful or, or wrong. I don't really care because they're not my people. I get more offended when people belittle what we do or when people assume what we do, which is, you know, when people think that, oh, and not that there's anything, but people often try to book sex parties with us. And I'm like, oh, that's not what we do. Oh, sorry. Wrong club. (laughs) Right. And, you know, we get these calls 
or, you know, when people assume that because we're witches that we're anti-religion or anti-Christian, we have mm. Christian members, we have religious members of all different religious backgrounds. Like, I do not like when people assume that we hold certain opinions or we do certain things that we don't because I'm feel so passionate by what it is that we do do that I want to make sure that that's really clear. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I appreciate that as well, because some people they'll, they'll listen to the story or, or that stigma and they're very quick to judge, but it kind of goes to show, okay, that's the view that society keeps feeding people where it's like, yeah, you need to have this woman, let's just say, oh yeah, they have to be virginal. But then in the sheets, it's like, oh yeah, you want the, the whore, you know? So it's like that back and forth. And I think that that's been giving women so many issues over centuries of being like, no, this is my body and this is how I move within my body. And this is how I want to dress. And this is how I can embrace my body. And that's one of the things I appreciate about your, your teachings and the other instructors is that constant message of being like, this body is yours. It's not owned by anybody else. Like it doesn't matter what anybody else says, like this is your own body to explore and to just embrace and to be wild and to live in it fully. Yeah. And so I, absolutely. so for the witchcraft aspect of it, I know some people are probably listening and they're like, okay, witchcraft, like, so what, what exactly does that entail and spells and does it actually work? Like what, what comes out of it? I mean, when you first started dabbling with witchcraft, what was, what was like your initial experiences with that? Were you like, is this actually going to work? Is it not going to work? What what were your experiences? Yeah. Well, my, I think ever since it's worth mentioning, there is no governing council of witches. So witches are very self-defined, uh, which I love. One of a two, one of our, studio values is sovereignty. Um, other one is authenticity. Um, and those two play hand in hand to me. And to me, I want it to have some kind of spiritual practice without being told what to do, especially as a recovering Catholic. Like, you know, I want, <laughs> that's the love about witchcraft is Wicca, which is a religion where they identify as witches. So all Wiccans are witches, not all witches are Wiccan. And I don't identify as Wiccan. I identify as a witch. And for me, a witch is someone living fully in their or using energy to manifest the world around them. And that's such like a broad definition that I think many people could adopt that and practice in very different ways. So when I first with my witchcraft, I spent a lot of time exploring every, not every, but so many unique facets of it. I was going to workshops and, um, and I lived in LA at the time. Mm. So there was a lot of stuff happening. I was going to botanicas. I was going to like meditation, uh, visualization groups. I was going to like occult meetings. I was doing all, I mean, getting psychic readings, doing energy work, all the things. I was so just lit the fuck up by the potential of moving beyond the mundane. And I do think that is kind of a uniting belief system of witches is that 
something exists beyond the mundane. And a lot of times we have to get to a low point to really be interested in that. I think that's why people find religion too. And, you know, we're all going to find the thing we're meant to find. Uh, But for me, it was at first I was like, I have to, like you said, like what was my initial experience? I was following spells and I was doing exactly what people told me to do. And I was like, all right, I have to do, and I have to be on what moon phase. And then this tarot card <laughs> means exactly what. And then I have to come back and get another cleanse when, and I was giving a lot of my power away. Um, mm. But through that process, I was able to develop my own unique belief system. And that was really important to me opening the studio, being really clear. We don't have a unified belief system when it comes to being a witch. What we're going to do is provide you a lot of opportunities to explore magic through energy work, through astrology, through divination, through um, different cultural explorations. And then you get to pick what speaks to you and embrace that. And so it took me a while to get there because I think a lot of people finding witchcraft have some kind of systemic common religion and are just expected to be told what to believe and what to do. And what's cool about witchcraft is that's not it. It's very sovereign. Um, it's very much you having trust in you. This is where developing intuition and having embodiment practices start to tie in. Because on all of a sudden, you can start listening to your inner truth and guidance. And this is where I also, through, the, through me finding my own version and practice of witchcraft, is where I realized this dance thing, this specifically esoterotic, this is why I coined the word esoterotic, this specific kind of sensual dance is freaking magic. Mm-hmm. And this is where what people a lot of times are introduced to us. You have to have a, a, a gateway, right? So a lot of people come to us. I want to learn how to sexy dance. And yes, I'm trying to like feel something that, about myself that I've never felt before. Um, and or maybe like I, I just or attracted to the pole things, but it's not the pole. It's the taboo associated with the pole that they're attracted to, Mm. which I'm always like when people come in and then they have some kind of resistance to the sensuality and sexuality. I'm like, why are you, why are you, why are you choosing pole right now? You know, um, it's literally an, a, a part of their shadow where they are attracted to the taboo and they're just not consciously recognizing it. Anyway, that's not here, here nor there. <laughs> Moving beyond that. Yeah. It's once you develop a a deeper sensual and esoterotic dance practice, you learn how to use that in a magical way. And you realize that is the magic. And you don't necessarily need the candles. You don't need the oils. You don't need the moon rituals. Those are freaking awesome. They can absolutely help support us. And they're also you know, um, uh, amazing practices for our focus and our intention. But dang, if you just want to start practicing esoterotic dance at a deeper level, that's where you are going to experience profound magic. Mm-hmm. And it, and a lot of what you noted really ties into all the other different spiritual practices and even religion, you know, getting in a state where you clear your mind, you're believing in some higher power, you're trying to connect to some higher power. And a lot of that involves tapping in yourself. And so 
from your experience, either for yourself or what you've witnessed for other people, how easy is that to tap into self power? Like, do you find that it takes a really long time or do you find that, okay, yeah, there's typically a trend that these people will find that self-actualization or that self-empowerment over like this period of time? It's definitely not immediate. We have so much deprogramming to do from just existing in this society and like a deprogramming from toxic patriarchal systems. And it's a true shift in values and feeling safe to explore or express in certain ways and to go into the dark feminine depths of self and to to uncover latent truths and desires. So it's not a quick process. We have a minimum of six months on our membership contracts. And that is because we think six months tends to be a time where people really start seeing that change with consistent practice. So it's no, it's not like, oh, I took an intro series. Good. It's a, it's an (laughs) ongoing practice, just like anything worth doing is right. Like they always say, you don't clean your house once and it's done. (laughs) Yeah, You know what I mean? (laughs) Like you don't take, you don't take a few sensual dance classes and you're divine feminine priestess. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like embodiment takes time and embodiment within any discipline is where one truly experiences the inner wisdom that it takes to experience, to, to experience transformative shifts, if that makes sense. So the same thing with meditation, right? Or the same thing with, with any kind of sport or any kind of hobby or any kind of intellectual discipline. Mm-hmm. Again, like we can't belittle this feminine practice as being a silly thing that you do a few times and you get it. Just like you don't get how to skateboard when you do it three times. (laughs) Or you you haven't like mastered consciousness by meditating for a few weeks. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. It's the process of building that habit and sticking to something new, which you know, we see it all the time. It's the new year and people are like, new year, new me. They sign up for a gym membership, go maybe for like two weeks and then they give up and they're like, oh, you know, whatever. And they come up with that excuse. And so of course they don't actually hit the goal that they want. Uh, But it is through like perseverance and continual practice and realizing like, yeah, you're going to fail, but that's totally okay. Just get up and keep going. It's going to be hard. And so with that, Do you think that the initial thought with starting the studio was primarily with focusing on esoeroticism and and witchcraft? Or do you think that deeper down, it was more about helping individuals become more empowered with who they are? Oh, I think they're... They're absolutely connected. I think that it is through the esoeroticism and the esoerotic dance and, and witchcraft that people find the deeper transformation. So the reason why I opened the studio was because I didn't see anything out there that was like that. And it was through that combo that I could turn, I turned into a different person. Uh, you know, obviously the same essence, but a way more empowered, um, embodied, authentic, um, 
I would even say like joyous and celebratory, self-celebratory version of self. And it's through the embodied movement, the dance and the witchcraft that I was able to find that. So the motivation was, I guess, to help the transformation, but the vehicle in which we do so is through the esoteric and, and witchcraft. So it was absolutely my intention to like, this is for this is going to be for people who need a place to go for internal transformation. Mm-hmm. And that's when we have a studio philosophy and the, you know, the first couple lines are, you know, we are not a fitness studio. We do not place our value on external um validation or external appearances something like that i'd have to read it from the website but uh, <laughs> yeah it's it's so it motivates a lot of people to start something new a lot of people start something new for external validation we're here for people who are looking to connect with that inner sense of self. And they may not have the words for that when they start, but something internally is and subconsciously is drawing them to the work and that will awaken over time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, a lot of that I find almost like crosses over with spirituality because, you know, we, we see spirituality out nowadays and we're always seeing people trying to manifest and the good vibes only, but a lot of it does involve going down the dark areas and dealing with the the shadow work in order to properly manifest. And so it seems like with spell work, you are getting into a meditative spot where you can focus on the goal, what it is that you want to try to heal and cleanse and then fix. And so do you find that, so you noted six months usually is like the, the go-to where you start seeing some type of change. Um, do you find that this is a uh, really like an ongoing process to heal? Or do you find that after a certain period, like some people are like, yeah, I think I've healed all my major issues. I mean, we're onions. I always, I mean, not literally onions, we're humans, (laughs) but (laughs) we are metaphorically onions in the sense that there's another layer. There's another layer. There's another layer. I am always, I think there's people who, Obviously, I'm not going to say everyone who moves on from the studio has this belief that like, oh, I'm healed. I'm done. It's not like that. They're just interested in discovering themselves in a new way, which I completely honor. Um, But I think if you we've had people um, shout out to Sharon and Harley, who are two members who have been with us since opening night. And I feel like they've are great examples of people who still show up and have seen how even the work of the studio has evolved over time. I've evolved so much over the past six and a half years. So I feel like I'm always bringing new work and new, um, new experiences to the studio. Like I'm I'm not some all-knowing guru. Like I'm doing the work alongside everyone else. I'm a perpetual student also. So what's cool is like being a perpetual student, I'm always going to be learning new things and being able to bring new things to our coven. And, And if you look at our schedule and what we offered when we opened to now, it's so vastly different. We have virtual offerings now addition to in-studio and I have a huge passion for our virtual offerings because what I think that does is that uh, it allows people to integrate it more more into their day-to-day life. So 
yeah, I think I, I worry about people who say I'm done. Mm. Like I don't have to self-reflect anymore. I'm also worried about people who are constantly trying to heal because I think that can be, um, a disempowering mindset to have. It's like, yeah, we're always healing, but are we always like healing? Like, are we always so <laughs> dramatic? And I was like, oh, like it's so, you know, there's a difference between being the victim and being the witch, the person who shows up and takes responsibility for their life. So yeah, we have all different traumas, I guess. Big we don't do big T trauma at the studio. Mm -hmm. I always like say we can do it. We have enough little T trauma to work. <laughs> and so there's always a deep like a deeper depth of self. And oh my gosh, I love this concept. Um I was talking to a friend about this once and she also owns uh a dance studio and so we have these great embodied dance and movement conversations. And I was explaining how our dance, we're not trying to get people to learn the next thing. It's not like in a lot of dance programs, it's you did this, now you've up leveled to this level, and you got to learn these additional things. Then you learn those, you got to up level to the next to learn the additional things. The way we see our dance program is actually in the opposite direction. Mm -hmm. Okay, you learned. Now, how can you go deeper into that thing? Mm -hmm. And so how can you express that in a completely different way? Okay, you got that. How can you go deeper into that? So to me, it's, it's an inversion of a typical experience people are going to have within dance. And so you can't be like, let's use pole dance as an example. You can't say, I got this spin. I'm done. <laughs> you know? No, you yeah. got the spin. Now how do you how can you do it slower? How can you do it faster? How can you end it differently? How can you get into it differently? How can you do it on the other side? How can you um express rage through it? How can you express sadness through it? How can you ex express more uniquely through it and make it your own. Like there's always need to be a depth and a depth and a depth that you can take within your dance and movement at the studio. And that's something that is really hard to convey to people because we're so conditioned by the masculine, which is the sun, more, more, more expansive, expansive, expansive versus the feminine, the moon, deeper depth, shadow. And that's just an example of how in dance you can always go deeper with something. And my, oh, going back to, I was talking to my friend, we were having this conversation and she goes, and her name's Nia. She's amazing. She owns a studio called Butter and Filth in Richmond. <laughs> and she said, how could anyone get bored with the depth of well of self? Mm. And I was like, oh, yes. <laughs> and to me, that is conditioning. We're too scared to go into the depth of self. So treat, teaching people to go into the depth of their movement can be really helpful to prime them to go into the depth of their inner self and their inner beliefs and their desires. And, um, and, you know, are they being performative in their life? Or are they being authentic? Mm -hmm. So that was a really <laughs> yeah. chatty way of, of saying that there's, how can you be done with anything when there's depth? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, and even for, for individuals who are into that practice of like diving into self, I mean, one example that I keep thinking about is like meditation practices or even breath work practices. 
like you can just go deeper and deeper and deeper into that. It's like, okay, I can meditate for five minutes. And then it's like, okay, now I can extend it and go for 10 minutes, 15, up to an hour. And the more that you go in, the more you're like really diving into yourself. And yeah, that's, that's kind of what I was thinking of as like another example of what you're saying. And yeah, I, I really love that. I mean, and the more that you do that, the more you transform yourself into opening up and being more accepting of yourself and others, I find. I mean, is that what you've experienced, do you think? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The grace for self and for others, because we always know any external judgments of other people is simply a reflection of how we're judging ourselves. Right. But that's, I mean, you just explained embodiment. When we say we do embodied dance and movement, embodiment means that it's in your body and it's moving out of the logical mind and into the, you know, the masculine, into the feminine feeling body. And it's within embodiment where we gain true wisdom. So I'll give an example. People want to, and this is an age of Aquarius issue, that (laughs) the more that we learn, like, like I'm going to read a book, I am going to listen to the podcasts, I am going to be able to logically understand of, of something learned. Right. But that's learning. Mm -hmm. That's not wisdom. Wisdom comes from embodiment, taking those learnings and then doing it and then doing it again and doing it again to that point where what we call in dance, reaching a state of gnosis, that's a term coined by chaos magicians, G-N-O-S-I-S. I know that there's multiple definitions for that word, but in chaos magic, getting into a state of gnosis is shifting brainwave states where it's almost like that flow state, getting to that state of flow where we've kind of bypassed the conscious mind and we're in such an a state of being and of experiencing that all of a sudden we've completely reprogrammed our subconscious mind in a way that you can't do through reading, through podcasting, through conversation. So I'm not anti those things, but I'm saying you're not wise because you understand something. You're wise when you embody something and you have an inner standing of something, which can only happen through experiencing. And it, it takes repetition. It takes it takes doing things all many times to get into that deep state where it's not just having reached the state of gnosis or getting into that state of flow. But the reason you can get into that is because you your body feels so comfortable and safe within it that it's a knowing and that you don't have to think about it anymore. It's it's literally imprinted. So that is something that I'm always trying to preach about that embodiment takes time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. You know, I love that. <laughs> yeah, I, what came to my mind too, and I would tell people, it's like, you can study and you can read about sailing, but until you actually sail and experience it, you're not a sailor. You don't fully know what sailing is like. There's so many other things to keep in mind. Like, what is the wind like? What is this like? What is the rope like? What's the water feeling like? And so on and so forth. Like, there's just so much to experiencing something firsthand than it is to just studying and reading or listening to other people tell you about it. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's the difference between valuing. But we're in a world where we've been taught. I mean, think about the school systems. Uh, we've been tested growing up on our logical ability to regurgitate. And so, and I mean, I love learning about things, but to me, the true wisdom comes from doing the thing. And that's the feminine, the embodiment, the being in your body and feeling and experiencing. And you can't, you know, we, we've lived too long in a society where we, that was devalued. Mm-hmm. You know, because you couldn't be tested on the cats or whatever, whatever they were called. What were those tests called? Oh, I can't like remember. the the GMAT and the, uh, <laughs> oh yeah, what yeah, was the other yeah. one? Yeah. <laughs> I know what you're yeah. like, the GREs the and yeah. Yeah. Who, yeah I hated those, called. so I've forgotten yeah. about them. <laughs> right, good. Left your, your brain. Um, <laughs> yeah, but you know, we were taught you could get into college or you will be considered smart if you can grade well on your mental regurgitation. And we've just been programmed to to value that versus like, hey, can you actually explain that? Do you understand it? Or, you know, can you creatively express it? And I love the shift we're experiencing in society right now, which is shifting into, into that different value system of things, especially, I mean, we even see like just the internet. You can look things up on Google now. So you don't necessarily need to remember everything. Um, there is this shift in society of like actually having in understanding mm-hmm. about things. So hopefully it's a it's a societal shift that's that's gonna happen over time. Yeah, that would be really cool to see. And like you noted, creativity is going to start to flourish. And I think we need a lot more creativity to solve some of the problems that we have going on here. And so do you think that a lot of the members are pretty creative in general just from doing these types of practices? Or do you think that maybe there's different types of creativity that people maybe express and harness? So this is, you know, speaking of how things have evolved in the studio over time, what has come to life for me over the past year is, wow, this is all tied to creativity. And I am so lit up by the idea of creativity recently that, spoiler, I'm offering (laughs) early next year a whole program called Creatrix that's all about um, people who are ready to fucking create in their (laughs) life. Um, sexual energy is creativity. And so once you do this esoterotic work and you've been doing it enough where you are lit up ongoing in your sexual energy, it's, you're going to want to create. And I want to be clear that it's not a straight up art artist type of definition where I need to paint on a canvas, which it could be, but I love how you suggested before creativity is problem solving it's it's in how we change problematic systems it's how we express ourselves in writing or in even how we adorn ourselves or of course how we dance and so it's creativity to me is like you said like as ai's starting to show up and probably inevitably replace a lot of um, jobs and tasks that we've had in the past. Creativity to me is going to trump it all. 
So yes, I do believe we have a lot of creative students with us. And I do believe that we actually help people tap into and expand their creativity um, because of eroticism and accessing sexual energy outside of intercourse. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, it's really cool. I've seen some members who are just like, I'm going to start my own business and this is what I'm getting into. And they're creating projects or they're providing different services and they're taking what they learned in previous jobs or just from observation or consultation with other members that they're like, oh, I can embrace that. And they've started their own journey. And being an entrepreneur is all about creativity. You have to have a vision and then you have to figure out how to execute that. And so obviously, you know that. I mean, you created a studio. And so kind of tying that in, I want to go back in time to, I guess, when you were living in New York, right? You were in a completely different industry prior to getting into this type of work. Are you able to provide a little background into that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I was a graphic designer and an art director before this work. And I, for the record, was still doing that work through 2021. Um, so I I was still working part time um, to be able to get the business off the ground. So um, it's, it's, only, it's only been like two years that I've kind of stopped doing it professionally. Um, but yeah, I worked in corporate. So I've worked at a lot of big name, cor- like, companies and corporations. I've worked at um, ad agencies, event agencies, PR agencies. Oh my gosh, like <laughs> cosmetic companies, you know, I've, I've worked at a lot because I did that for 15 years, you know, before kind of getting into this. And so I think that was really this is, I mean, if we're talking about entrepreneurship, I think having a lot of jobs, um, I think the fact that I couldn't stay at a job for more than a year and a half was probably indicative that <laughs> at some point I had to create my own thing, which in 2013, I actually did leave having a full-time job for good and was just freelance. Um, I never was like fired from a job or anything, but I was like always ready to move on and do the next thing. And living in New York City, like, Hello, I was mm-hmm. always trying to, I, I want to work at this prestigious um, design studio. Okay, now I want to work here. Oh my gosh, I have the opportunity to work here. And then here it was like, you know, uh, an entrepreneurial uh, dream for someone who who had jobs. But um, I think having a lot of different jobs gave me an understanding of how business works, being able to see it from different perspectives. Um, I have just a lot of business wisdom for working for a lot of different businesses. Um, I've worked for some, you know, small studios and companies as well. And I also was really helpful in opening the studio. I didn't have to hire anyone to make our logo or design our website or do any of our graphics. So it was actually really helpful. Yeah. But it's really something that I give gratitude every morning is that I get to get up and be creative for something that, I create it versus someone else's company or brand. Mm -hmm. And so when you were working in the the corporate arena, I mean, how much of your authentic self or who you are now, were you able to embody back then? Or do you feel like there was still some kind of disconnect from, you know, who you were back in New York to where you are now? Yeah, I mean, 
I was in New York in my 20s. Um, which is just the decade where you're finding yourself into my early thirties. Um, I moved when I was like 32. Um, and it was just a time of finding myself. And this is total aside, but I just think anyone who's listening, who's in their twenties, have grace for yourself. You do not know as much as you think, you know, and when you know this, when yeah. you're 20, you know everything. be teachable, be able to understand that you're not at the fucking top of your game in your 20s it's going to be you you have so many opportunities to learn and people are going to have grace for you because you are young and you have the opportunity to get paid to learn things um so remember that that's like i mean the 20s are awesome they was the most emotionally <laughs> tumultuous time of my life and i felt like i was just a emotional mess right but like at the same time how fucking fun. So no, I did not know who I was. I, I couldn't be who I was in any job because I didn't know really who I was yet. You know, I was learning about who I was. So, um, you know, I was very lucky that most of my jobs did allow me to, they, they hired me based on my portfolio, right? Based on uh, who I was and, you know, how I how to create. So that was good. Um, and being in New York, I was very lucky to have very creative jobs as well. Um, so yeah, but I'm more myself now. And I think that translates to why I'm so much more at peace with myself right now. I would have to say I'm 43 now and I feel a tremendous peace with self and complete trust in where I'm guiding myself and that is so beautiful, but there was no freaking way that that was going to happen in, <laughs> when I was young, in my 20s. That's a journey to find that. Mm-hmm. And in your 20s or even younger, did you ever have an interest for witchcraft at all? I would say I was always interested in uh, um, kind of outsider culture. Mm-hmm. I was really into like punk culture um, or metal culture when it came to music. And I was always interested in the art scene and um, it kind of lowbrow type of film and just anything that was kind of outcast culture in general, I was really into. And so I would say that as like a spiritual practice, no, but definitely as like a higher level, just idea of communing with people who thought outside of the system and were wanting to be more in charge of how they showed up in the world as opposed to having life dictated to them. Yes. Um, but I was still practicing Catholic until probably like 23 or 24. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. And that's a big transition too, going from Catholic to spiritual to like eroticism and I, witchcraft. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like the why I stuck with it so long was the things that I love about like the occult, the in the esoteric worlds, which is like, I liked going to church. I can tell you, I, I can honestly tell you, I would go to church all the time. I did not 
none of that they said was really resonating. I didn't read a Bible. I wasn't like that. Like I didn't, I didn't believe in it as like a, I'm going to heaven or hell, or I need to, re- I've never read a Bible in my life. You know, <laughs> um, but I like, I liked the ceremonial aspects. Yeah. I loved Catholic, beautiful church. I love the stained glass windows, the incense, the pomp and circumstance, the candles. Um, and so, you know, at that time, witchcraft wasn't as popular as it is now. I, you know, if I was in my twenties now, I would probably fall into it a lot sooner, but I like how I naturally found it for sure. Yeah. And back then we have to remember a lot of people were practicing witchcraft in cousins. Witchcraft was still very much uh, a religious structure in the, you know, seventies, eighties, nineties. Um, it's just in, well, I would say recently or in maybe the past 10 years that a lot of authoritative voices have come in with, um, with the message that you can create your own practices and not adhere to dogmatic systems. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that is interesting. And I mean, along with witches, let's say, uh, could you say that the compare, or I guess the, the other equal side to it is a warlock. Is that a thing for males or individuals who identify with like more of the masculine? Is that like an appropriate term to say, oh, he's a warlock or they're a warlock versus a witch? It's interesting. So I've heard, um, you know, masculine identifying people say I am a warlock. And then I've heard a lot of them say I'm a witch. Like, who cares, you know? So I think that's that I feel like there is definitely a more Wiccan um, and um, pagan, even neo-pagan structural systems where like you're a high priestess, you're a warlock, you um, are initiated, you have you have to celebrate the wheel of the year. Um, you know, you have to say Merry Meet every time that you, you meet someone. <laughs> and I think that that was very much what um, contemporary witchcraft, um, especially from um, Gerald Gardner, who kind of started the the Wiccan tradition in, in the 60s, 70s, you know, that was kind of what existed people to practice but now i mean i love the idea that now which is such um a term that people embrace without feeling like they have to use the right words mm. or practice the right way i mean obviously i think people should be really respective of the system and have some kind of unifying beliefs or what's the point of even having the term right but um i don't hear as many people use the word warlock um outside of i would say closed practices mm. or very pagan influence practices okay and so earlier you said that witches can be Wiccan, but not all Wiccans are witches. So can you describe, oh, opposite? All Wiccans are witches, but not all witches are Wiccan. Oh, okay. That one. (laughs) Uh, So, so what is, what is a Wiccan or what is the Wiccan practice? Would you say? So Wiccan is a religion and it's actually recognized by the government and like within the military, which is awesome that people can Yep. 
Yeah. And so, you know, I'm not a Wiccan. It was established in like the seventies. Um, it, um, by Gerald Gardner and, um, in England and it was, it's an, an initiatory practice and now exists all over, but Wiccans have a unified belief system, like religion. It's a religion. We believe this. You have to be initiated. There is a high priestess. There is um, holidays that we all agree upon and celebrate. And it's it's a unified practice and belief system. And a lot of people who come from religion really like Wicca because it gives them structure. Hmm. To me, it's too dogmatic. To me, I don't like handing my power over to anyone, a high priestess. I don't like having to be initiated into anything. Um, I really like, again, sovereignty. I really like to be internally led by what resonates with me. And so it's it's almost like you can consider Wiccan almost like a, like a, like a, a voodoo type of system where you are initiated and you have unified deities and belief systems that you adhere to. There's a lot of systems that fall under the grand umbrella of witches that are more initiatory or dogmatic belief systems. And then there are just the general term, which, which anyone can claim without having to um, be, be accepted into. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I mean, I might use this example afterwards, but my my question was, what is what is the initiation process like for something like that? Like, are you familiar with what that is? Uh, I've never been initiated into anything like that, but you have to commit to um, a coven. And usually coven is 13 people and you have to agree to meet an X amount of times. You're going to show up and you're going to do certain amount of ceremonies. The actual initiation is like ceremonial in nature. Um, and it's, it's more like you're committing to a group of 13 people and you're committing to doing wheel of the year and the lunar rituals. And honestly, beyond that, I don't know. Um, mm what kind of go it's not like the hollywood or even like the pervy <laughs> you know 60s yeah. 70s depictions of like getting naked and you know having to do sex rituals or <laughs> i mean the sky clad thing you know the sky clad like you know, you know naked and you know that was that was the early days of wiccan which is why i think that yeah. guy's a fucking perv that started it <laughs> and it was, i think he said he wanted to be around naked women um but that whole like you know that whole you have to be naked or do some kind of sex ritual or I, that's not a thing anymore as far as any healthy system that i know even like if you look at um a non-religion but the the satanic temple right they're a, a non-religion but they're a unifying spiritual group that um kind of are all about um self-empowerment and individuality and sovereignty really they're like a you know they're they, they're basically so, social activists against the constraints of religious structures so mm. anyway <laughs> like they don't do anything like that people yeah. just have that that picture from from hollywood and media and stuff but and as far as i know is initiation you just have to find a group that's linked to have people join and i believe you just agree to like meet and 
and kind of do the same rituals together and yeah yeah i mean I'm sure it, it's some kind of awesome ceremony in nature with robes and stuff which just sounds awesome so i'm into it but <laughs> <laughs> i mean it, it just sounds like the uh, and i'm putting air quotes which apparently is not like really cool in podcasts but i'm putting air quotes of like <laughs> initiation practices in religion like some religions require you to oh you have to dedicate yourself to studying this and then you have to dedicate mm -hmm. to um, passing certain tests, like you have to show that you've given up all these other things and you're committed to this church or this group. And so like, I, I'm hearing that and I'm already thinking of certain groups in my head, which I'm not going to just throw out just because I'm not super well-versed in those practices, but generally it's what I've heard is like, yeah, they have to give up certain types of food or certain types of societal activities that they used to follow and yeah, they have to change the way they dress or they have to change their affiliations. And so, yeah, it, it just sounds like another, you know, like any sounds other religious cult. group. <laughs> what did yeah. you say, cult? I know. <laughs> it sounds like cult behavior to me. So <laughs> I think Wiccans are pretty awesome. Mm -hmm. What's cool about Wiccans is that they open their belief system to anyone who also wants to practice it like the wheel of the year is a wiccan practice but they're like yeah you can practice the you can celebrate yule or samhain or all of that you don't have to be wiccan like they're pretty cool about it you know so i think wiccans are really if you need structure wiccans are, are awesome in that way because they're very open-minded and acceptance but they are there's just going to be structure around it and yeah. i should be very clear i i I've never been even to a Wiccan meeting. I have no idea what goes on, but just from what I've heard and from what I understand, yeah, <laughs> you know, it's not, it's not culty in nature. You don't have to dress a certain way or have sex with the guru or like, <laughs> you know, you don't and have to like abstain <laughs> from anything. Yeah. Yeah. You know? So, so that's, yeah, that's why I love being a witch. I'm too punk rock for, for any kind of, <laughs> have religious structure at this point but i'm so spiritual and mm -hmm. so i love having a group that i can call upon witches i know that you believe in magic beyond the mundane i know you believe in personal responsibility i know that you believe in the power of energy and the cosmos and the power of mama earth and i want to be amongst those people and we can have different practices and have different beliefs about what happens after death or you know how to practice a ritual but it doesn't matter because we have a unifying like depth of um of desire mm -hmm. yeah just to to connect to something greater and yeah and and then just the the concept of magic is also just so interesting because you know i i come from a clinical research background and so some people are like oh I if it's that. yeah that's that's currently my role and it's just interesting because yeah. you know it's very logic focused it's like okay, where's the tangible? Like I need to see the data or I need to see the physical in order to believe. But as soon as you start diving into, obviously like any religious practices or spiritual practices or witchcraft, you're believing in something that's not necessarily tangible. Like you can't necessarily be like, oh yeah, I've seen God or Jesus, or I've seen the creator of the universe. Like maybe some people have, <laughs> apparently some people have. But, uh, you know, it's it's a belief in something much greater. And it's just 
like there's magic to it. And it's just, yeah, you're allowing your creativity and your imagination to kind of just wander and just allow yourself to be and to really experience the world. And I don't know, ma- magic is pretty cool. Like for you, what doesn't- what would you define as like magic for you? Yeah, I was going to say, who doesn't want to live in a world where they, you know, believe in magic? To me, magic is a, are, is, are the practices. So we use magic, we make magic. Um, and I'll say this is magic in the sense that it's beyond the mundane world and that it's tapping in to our highest potential. Like, if you, like I love the endless or endless potential, let's say. I believe that to access the endless potentiality of self and of the world, um, of the universe, whatever, like magic is the way to access that. Mm-hmm. So, for example, I say I'm d- doing magic when I'm dancing and I am using these techniques to reclaim my sexual sovereignty, for example. That's why I say our dance classes are magic because, you know, this will have to be another podcast, but the way that we teach esoeroticism is in a way um, where we reach a state of gnosis, where we find embodiment, where we're reprogramming our subconscious mind with new belief systems around like, body autonomy and sensuality feeling safe and our sexuality being for our own pleasure that's fucking magic magic way that we move beyond the limitations of the mundane mm-hmm. yeah and it, and it's interesting too because you you describe that but i've i've also just even thought of like how we as humans we're always thinking okay if you can't prove something then yeah it's fantastical or magical but you know, you go back a few centuries and it's like the use of a cell phone. Like we would never right. imagine something like that. And then all of a sudden we have cell phones and we can magically connect to people all around the world. But it wasn't until we were able to create it and manifest it into being or learn about it that we were able to tap in and create a physical representation of that magic. And so it's really cool because it, it just goes to show that we humans, we like to think we know everything but we don't know shit. (laughs) Like we don't know shit. Like we don't know anything about, you know, the use of energy and really embracing that. I mean, as a whole, I'm saying, I know some people are very focused on energy work and things like that. But for most of us, like there are a lot of people that don't know how to get into that. And as soon as you start getting into that more, that's when you start seeing the results. It can be as little as just changing a habit, right? I feel bad for people who don't believe in magic. I just feel like they're constraining themselves to such a limited reality. And, you know, we also limited by the way that we're able to measure something like we may things exist that we do not have the tools within science to measure. And Mm. that's just how it is. And just because it's not measurable doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Um, But, you know, I think that's what, that's what differentiates people. And that's, you know, something that people there's, there's a sense of personal power and responsibility that comes with believing in magic that a lot of people would rather just say it doesn't exist. I'm a victim of circumstance. Life happens to me. There's nothing I can do to get out of this situation or to change my situation. And you know what? It's fucking hard. I don't blame them for thinking that sometimes, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so how often do you find that science kind of dives into your own 
magic or witchcraft practices? You know, I think some people really love the science to justify what it is what they do. And I definitely used to do that all the time. Like, well, neuroscience is saying this. I used to say that in our intro series all the time, <laughs> talking about some things. And I would like, well, I don't know, like some people claim it's pseudoscience. And we've had enough therapists um, take our classes that were like, stop saying that it's not pseudoscience. It's literally proven science. Because mm. um, we talk a lot about neuroplasticity, for example, on in our intro series. Um, and I think at some points, it's really helpful to point to science and say, hey, this is actually something that has been researched and has been quantified or whatever. Um, and so it's helpful sometimes. And, you know, with the explaining vibration, resonance and frequency, that's really helpful to understand, um, you know, cycles of nature, that's science. When you think about it, the tides being affected by the lunar cycles, that's science. So I think it's really helpful to have some of those examples to give validity to what it is we do. But we can't just say that it has to be scientifically backed or it's, it's not legit. And in my experience, this is where, this is where it all comes back to the sovereignty and the authenticity and the not, the, the non-performative nature of what we do. When you need external validation for something, um, that's when you start to doubt yourself and you start adhering to other people, other people's beliefs and truths. Um, this is when we, we compromise on what we truly believe or our experiences or even like our desires in order to conform to an established system or or group of people or um, conventional beliefs. And that's limiting to me. So when you don't need that external approval, this is how also like getting back to cults, this is when, how you start becoming susceptible to cults, it's brainwashing, it's, it's deeper than that. But like, you get into in the first place, because this desire of like, external, like, so, like, I don't external mm -hmm. approval, I want the group to accept me. And so I'm going to do these things that I internally question at first, after I just get brainwashed. But like, this is where <laughs> you have to have a strong sense of self, you know? Yeah. So and I don't even remember what the question was, but that's my answer. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. I don't either. <laughs> I mean, it feels like so many people are into that, that external validation. And so for you, what would you say a person is maybe feeling or how is it that they're acting when they are kind of performing for external validation for people who are maybe in that mindset and they don't yeah. actually see it for themselves, like for somebody like external parties for us to describe it to them. So they maybe wake up to it. How, how would you kind of see that for somebody? Yeah. Cause you can be performative in your dance. And that's like when you're dancing because you want to entertain someone or you want to, um, in, uh, it, uh, if you want to, excuse me, if you want to impress them or if you want to titillate them or, you know, you can use your dance in a performative way. And I'm not saying it's bad. Um, you know, it's just if if someone's paying to see you dance, you probably do want to be performative, right? Because there there's an expectation that you are dancing for them because they paid for it, right? So I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but I'm just saying like, 
that's not what we try to focus on at the studio. If you are concerned of what it looks like, if other people will like it, if um, it's pleasing other people, that's performative. And you can think about that, yeah, in your dance, but also in your life. So for example, are you being performative in your life? Are you doing a job that your parents wanted to do to make them proud? Or are you doing something that is is authentic to what you desire? Are you posting on social media for the likes? Or are you posting because it expresses something that you want to express? Are you in a group of people who with your shared beliefs and doing practices and, and, and speaking out on things that you truly believe in? Or is it because you want their approval and you want to be part of the group? Um, you know, versus you would rather that and are you hiding parts of yourself because you're like, oh, they would outcast me type of situation. These are Mm -hmm. questions that we can reflect on to see, am I being performative in my life? Uh, Or, you know, am I actually living very authentically in my truth? And some people don't even know what their truth is. This is where the dark Mm -hmm. feminine comes in. And this is where doing the shadow work and the journaling and the, the self-reflection and where you get to this depth that we said the depth of well of self, when you realize, Oh my gosh, I don't want to be an engineer. I want to be a, an artist, you know, yeah. or I want to open a bar, you know, like this is where it's like, Oh my gosh, this was just to please my parents. Oh my gosh, this was just to please my pastor. This was just to to please society that I have this piece of paper that I have value now. Is that really what you want? Mm-hmm. And for anybody who is in that, do you have any recommendations on how they can slowly break away from that and step into more authenticity when they're so ingrained in, you know, this, I don't want to say falsehood because it is, it is like a reality that they're in. So it's not necessarily false, but it's, it's inauthentic to their truth, like you're noting. So do you have any tips on how they can kind of veer away from that? Yeah, I think self-love, I think self-acceptance. I think this is where practice, we stop, stop doing things where it's all external validation, you know, getting six pack abs or getting that paper that says this certification or um, saying things that you don't even really believe, just kind of regurgitating something you said because you know that people will like it. We we need to shift from stop needing that external validation into pleasing ourselves. And this is even sexually, right? So like turning inward and saying, who am I and can I do things to please myself and be when other people don't approve of it? And this is not, again, a weekend deal. This is something that takes time. It's a complete reprogramming that happens when you can shift into just be you being enough and finding pleasure for myself is actually more important than giving pleasure to other people. It doesn't mean that I don't care about other people, but it's switching that need for external validation. That's why, you know, again, like getting hobbies that are Mm non-performative can be a first step. Yeah. Yeah. Finding, surrounding yourself by people who allow you to speak your truth without judgment. They can disagree, but without judgment. Yeah. And that's what people have to remember is that there are people like that out there. 
I feel like so many folks are afraid to step into their truth or even veer away from that because they're like, I, I, I have no community. I, nobody's going to support yep. me. So yep. yeah, that's, that's really interesting. Um, and so I guess to, to start wrapping things up a bit more, is there anything that really inspired you or changed you or any other type of advice that you would want to give some of the listeners? Ooh, that's such like a, a broad question. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's literally kind of what we just talked about. I think one of our biggest yeah. challenges in life is being okay with not everyone liking you and being okay with not everyone applauding you. Um, and being okay at disappointing people who want you to be a certain way. Um, once you're okay with that, and I'm a sensitive cancer, so believe me, this is hard for me. I, I, you know, <laughs> I'm a people pleaser. So um, that was really big. But as soon, you know, one for me was stop seeking the approval of my parents, you know, like, especially if you have a, or, or of your partner, you know, or of your friend group, whatever, but stop seeking approval. Like, when you learn that living my life and I don't need everyone to understand or be into what I'm into, this is also why, like, even my spirituality or my witchcraft, I don't, I share it, but I don't try to enforce it on other people or try, you need to leave religion and become a witch. Like, that's kind of like not a thing that you hear a lot happening. And that's because you know, the idea of, of, of do out, do as thy will, uh, you know, which is creed. And so, um, yeah, I think that's the biggest thing when I stopped trying to live up to external standards, um, and please other people, that's when my life changed because at that same time I was able to reflect and, and say, who am I as a person? What do I desire? Um, what do, who would I be if there are no limitations? And that's when the world got expanded and it, it's a lifelong journey. You're not all of a sudden that, right? Because you need to have the experiences that lead you up to that, you know, no A to Z, you got to go through the alphabet, but, um, step one, stop giving a shit about <laughs> what other people think of you and start living life for you. And the funny thing is, is when you do that, all of a sudden you're going to start resonating with your people. The people who see that are going to recognize that resonance with you and they're going to be attracted to you. And then all of a sudden you're going to find your people because you're living your truth authentically. That's what you're energetically, you know, putting out and vibrating at. So how does that yeah. feel? And I love that. <laughs> yeah, no, that's not, that feels great. <laughs> <laughs> No. And, and, and I think that just, that's just something that everybody needs to encompass regardless of, you know, where it is that they are in their life. Like you can always step closer to your truth, regardless of where you are in your journey. And so I appreciate you saying that. And I also just want to say, like, I appreciate you coming on, onto the show as well. I mean, it's so wonderful to hear from you and to see you at the studio all the time. Like you always have such great energy and you're always encouraging the, the members and you're really just embracing that empowerment and sharing it with others and sharing that light with others. So 
thank you for constantly just putting on that brave face, even because I know like you're human, you you go through your own ups and downs. But what I really appreciate is like, you don't expend that out onto other people. You, you share more positivity and you don't share any negatives towards the individuals there. So I appreciate that of you. And I think that that's, what's helping a lot of individuals continue in their journey of self-fulfillment and self-actualization. Oh, thank you for saying that. I feel like that's just a testament of the work we do at the studio. I'm a student of our work. And so <laughs> um, that the fact that you said that just makes my heart want to burst open um, that yeah. it feels like the the work is is really coming through and it's a testament of people like you who come i mean with the most open hearts and minds and who come with authentic curiosity and a desire um for something more meaningful and that just you know it's it's an amalgamation of all of the witches at the studio and um, students and our amazing instructors and staff and stuff. So um, it's the, the pleasure is all mine. Every morning I wake up and I just, uh, you know, I have a gratitude list, but I think I mentioned something that I mentioned before. I think I mentioned my gratitude list, but um, no, actually not, not in this episode. Anyway, I said, I'm grateful every day. I'm grateful every day. Oh yes, I did. Cause I said, I'm grateful every day that I have a job that I can be creative for mm-hmm. myself. And so that is literally on my gratitude list every morning, but also like that I get to, I always say I am so grateful grateful for our coven of kind and curious witches. I say it every morning and um, it's a blessing to do this work and it's a blessing to be connected with you. And honestly, thank you for letting me use my voice and for letting me go, go off the hinge on a few things <laughs> and, and you speaking what wanted to come out. I really appreciate you. You had great questions and your, your, uh, your interview skills were top notch. All right. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that, um, and going back to your gratitude list, I think that that's something that would be really great for people to have every day too, just to encourage more positivity in their life. Just every day they write something new down or, you know, I come up with like very basic or solid things to go back to whenever they're dealing with something tough in their life. It's like, oh yeah, that's right. Like I'm grateful for that. So that's really cool that you have that. Oh yeah. 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 And for those listening, I'm going to include Crimson's uh, information. So sh- you can go to like minxamuse.com. She also has Instagram and she has a few other websites as well too. So I'm going to share all of that in the bio. So please go check that out. If you are just curious to see what she offers and what some of the other instructors offer as well, because there's a lot of really cool workshops and classes as well. So just be open-minded and curious and you will find magic in this studio. I promise that. So thank you all so much for your time. Crimson, again, thank you so much for being on here. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you, everyone who hung in there and listened to the full thing. So much gratitude. (laughs) This was so fun. Uh, It really was. All right. Well, thank you, everybody. Until the next one. Toodles.